This is the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute. Episode number 43. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Jason, who is a safety professional in the oil and gas industry and is also the content creator of the social media Safety Minute. Jason is joining us today from Houston, Texas. Jason, thanks for being a guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Jill. I really enjoy these. Well, you and I have been going back and forth for a couple of months <laughs> talking with one another um, uh, through LinkedIn. Um, I was I was intrigued by a uh, by some content that you had written about being a safety cop, and oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and it I got that. yeah, and it got my that. attention. It got my attention. So if people who are listening are thinking, you know, how do we find these guests? And sometimes it's exactly <laughs> like that. I read something, it catches my eye, and I'm like, this person seems interesting, and I want to talk with them. So I appreciate you being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, th- I think this is going to be a, a wonderful conversation. Great. So, Jason, as we do with everyone, um, interested to hear your story. How did you get into safety? How long you been at it? Um, what's What's your path? You know, I, I got into safety by accident. No, that was sorry. That was just a joke. <laughs> we have so many puns with that. <laughs> you know, it was a decision that I made. I had a a friend that did not like wearing his fall protection correctly. He liked to keep leg straps real loose. He felt like it was uncomfortable when he had them tight. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, I was in project management in the oil and gas industry and, and, and dealing with large turnarounds and things of that nature. And uh, my friend who liked to wear loose leg straps fell from a structure. Mm. And uh, the leg strap moved into an area that is uh, very personal. Mm-hmm. And ended up getting uh, getting injured, and and there was, I was there. I, I heard his screams, oh. and when I heard that, I, I said, you know, I could probably help in this industry a little bit. I think there's more that could be done to keep people safe, and I should have done my job better of making sure that he did that. And from a safety role, I could do that a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, so I went to my boss at the time and I asked him if there was any room in safety, could I roll from project management into safety? Uh, they thought that was a great idea. And uh, so I rolled into safety at that point and it very abruptly became a safety cop. And uh, <laughs> it, it took me a little bit of time to realize that that path was not working, that uh, being a safety cop was not getting anything accomplished the way that it needed to be accomplished. Yeah. So Jason, when you say you became a safety cop and, and for many people listening, uh, some of us know that well, some of us have either experienced it or have been it ourselves. So what did that mean for you when you, what, how do you think you were a safety cop? Um, I, I was so set on enforcement. I was so set on people um, trying to find what people were doing wrong. Yeah. I didn't focus ever on what they were doing right because mm-hmm. I was only focused on what they were doing wrong. That's what I zeroed in on. And I have a little you know, thought process that I like to share, which is, you know, what you're looking for, you're going to find. Yeah. I was looking for the problems and mm-hmm. that's all I was finding. And I was really abrupt. I was very short and I was not a very nice guy in relation to uh, enforcing these safety issues. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think that, Jason, some of that maybe came from the fact that you, you know, you witnessed your friend <laughs> having a having a pretty tragic event happen to them? And, you know, that one adjustment could have made things better, right? <laughs> so you, yeah, do you think that I, drove some of your passion early on? Yeah, I, it did. And, I, and, the, and it wasn't just that. It was also fear because, you know, I was, all, I was not the safest guy in operations. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one, were, were they going to take me seriously when I got into safety? Two, you know, were they going to listen? Because they yeah. me do unsafe things. So they knew that I wasn't the safest worker. Uh, so I, I think I felt like the enforcement really pushing it in the front side would um, would make them listen. And, yeah. and instead of building relationships from that, that standpoint, I was building uh, walls, I think. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense in hindsight, right? So oh, absolutely. <laughs> How long did it take you to figure out the safety cop shtick wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be effective? Well, Joe, I'm a slow learner. Uh, (laughs) It took me probably about two years in a conversation with one of my supervisors um, that refocused my efforts. Uh, The supervisor said, you know, Jason, if you would take some time to listen to what they have to say, they're really good at what they do. And they actually give you some ideas on how they can do it safer. And then you won't have to be looking and finding ways you'll know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, who are you to tell me how to do my job? I know how to do my job. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, when I sat back and thought about it a little bit, he, he was right. It was, it was definitely something that I needed to do to uh, uh, build trust, build those relationships. And it took time. I mean, there wasn't, I didn't immediate, it wasn't like one day I was a safety cop. And the next day I, I was making, uh, content on LinkedIn about how we need to build relationships or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. right. But I mean, it's a really good example <clears throat> of that, of that adage, you know, get out of your own way, right? Yes, absolutely. And as soon as you figured out how to get out of your own way and, uh, and, and listen, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's magic. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. It made all the difference in the world. And, and, you know, and I think I kind of wrote from safety cop over to to safety coach, I guess, mm, yeah. mindset to where it was like, okay, let's look at these opportunities for improvement, but at the same time, let's look for something positive to share with them as well, and let's coach them up on the things that they need to be coached up on, and and let's praise the things that need to be praised. And then it took a little bit of time. It's kind of been more recent that I've rolled into more of a from safety coach to safety mentor which is, you know, trying to expand that even further to people that may not be directly related to yeah. business. Yeah, right. So you went, so, you're, so you're, uh, your growth was the cop to the coach to the mentor. That's yes. Pretty, yeah, yes. That's, pretty, that's pretty cool. So what's the difference between a coach and a mentor, do you think? Uh, coaching is, that's, that's more of a hands-on, I'm out in the field, boots on the ground, uh, coaching the guys up on how they can do what they do better. Mm-hmm. Mentor is let me, let me tell you how you can do what I do a little better. And so it, it, it's, and it's not just safety professionals that I, that I would attempt to, that I do attempt to mentor. It's also going to be uh, guys in the field that are interested in safety. You know, people that are, are, are still going through college to get 
you know, safety degrees. Um, yeah, you know, just really trying to pour into the industry as a whole and in the world of safety. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So in your, in your career path, then, um, when you, when you got that first safety job, um, after you were a project manager and you asked to have a role in safety, was that in the oil and gas industry back then? It was. It It was. was. Okay. Okay. And, and, and so have you stayed in that field your whole, whole career so far? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, I've really been dealing with refineries and plants and just oil and gas as a whole, uh, majority of my career I've done upstream and downstream both sides of it but it has been majority of my safety career has been that I did some consulting that kind of took me out of that a little bit into uh, uh, market and and manufacturing mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily related to oil and gas so that was that was fun mm-hmm. got, you know got a, a whole new way of looking at things when you get into manufacturing that's not necessarily the same as oil and gas right right. Right. So you, you, you said you were the safety cop for two years and then did you make a job transition somewhere around then to a, a different place of employment? Yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was probably right around that time, uh, that we, that we started, that I started making job changes along with it that, uh, mm-hmm. would better utilize me as a safety coach yeah. than, than, than as a safety cop. I think that there was, uh, I think there was a desire for me to be a little hard nosed at the the first company that I was at because of the issues that they were having. Um, that was their expectation was that safety was going to be very hard nosed. Yeah. As my mindset started shifting, um, I wasn't quite as welcomed, you know, by by corporation wise, you know, from the standpoint of that you're not doing what we want you to do as safety. We want to know what people are doing wrong. We want to know it now. Yeah, right. More of a punitive <clears throat> approach. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what did that second job look like for you? <laughs> uh, it, that was actually the, my first consulting job. So I was, okay. uh, I kind of had moved into operations along with safety consultation duties. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, it, it was pretty interesting because going into manufacturing and dealing with problems that have already occurred and how to fix them for the next time Yeah, was, uh, that was, that was probably my primary, uh, duties was to, to fix a problem that, uh, maybe OSHA had already been called mm-hmm. so somebody to come out and, and help prep them for the, the, the investigation that was coming Sure, and get, put some things in place to make sure that they were prepared for the next time. Ah, yes. Okay. (laughs) So what was, what, what do you remember about that time that sort of was like, whoa, I didn't expect that in manufacturing, you know, something that was, you know, so different than what you knew of oil and gas. You know, oil and gas is, they're like every, every plant or every refinery is like a mini OSHA. They all have their own, they're, they're, they are so centered in and prepared on safety rules and regulations that are yeah. own, that sometimes people who work within these companies or within these, these refineries, they will, they're, they're so strapped down with safety rules and regs that they sometimes think that, that it's not necessarily that refinery's rule, but it's an OSHA rule because uh-huh. a lot of mistakes of like, well, OSHA says, no, no, actually OSHA doesn't say that OSHA says this. It's but, internal. <laughs> but this refinery says do it, so we're going to do it. Yeah. But 
it's not a NOSHA thing. And then rolling into consulting in a manufacturing world was a whole different animal because they didn't have those things in place. So, uh, it, you know, you can, you can always tell that just driving down the road and look at a roofing company, um, yeah. not, not yep. roofing companies, but they're, you know, that's the primary thing we see construction wise as safety people when we're driving down the road, we're like, Oh wow. What are they? Why? Yeah. Fall protection, scaffolding. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. cause it's, it's hanging right out there for our eyes to observe and see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you, so you see those things and you're like, how could they possibly do that? If you're coming from a mindset of oil and gas and working in these refineries, you're like, they're, 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 where is their culture? They have no safety culture. Well, they may not have any knowledge actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the lack of culture just may be a lack of knowledge. So moving into the manufacturing world, there were a lot of things that were just, um, low hanging fruit that I was, I was pretty surprised by. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I bet been there, done that. <laughs> and, you, and, it, and it's, and it's, you know, it's kind of like starting it's, it's often starting over or starting fresh, making no assumptions about what people know, first of all, and starting there before you can even talk about something like a culture. Yeah. I think that you have to, you have to come in there with a fresh mindset and you have to be willing to listen to what they do know before you start, you know, making assumptions of what they know. Right, right. So you you stuck around consulting for a while, and then did you come back to oil and gas, or how did that work? Yeah, yeah. I came back into into oil and gas with the crane company. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I did a short little stint with um, general contractors and working on some some different smaller projects, you know, corrosion under insulation projects where I would be over the contractors from a safety standpoint, yeah, things like that. And then I rolled into because of the because I, I guess I had impressed some folks with my consulting work, um, I ended up getting hired to one of my former consulting clients, a crane company, and I went to work for them direct and nice. and started started in my, my life in the crane world. Mm-hmm. A little mm-hmm. while. That's an intense industry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, especially if you come in with your only knowledge of crane operators are they're the only ones allowed to sleep during the turnaround. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's your, uh, that's, and that's your, your sole knowledge of it. You know, it it, it was, it was a bit of a learning curve for me um, going there, going into that industry. I knew how to set up in PQF, you know, pre-qualification sites and things like that, but actually learning what they do and how they do it and why they do it the way they do it. That was, that was a big learning curve when I first got on. Yeah. So how did you, how did you teach yourself about crane safety? Did you, did, did you take a class somewhere or how did you do that? I, I took it upon myself to be mentored by yeah. people there and, and not just be, be a mentor to them about safety, but allow them to mentor me about how mm-hmm. the crane industry worked. I took some time you know, before going in and making a bunch of changes, I tried to build relationships first, like, okay, you know, I'm not going to make any changes until I know exactly what they do, why they do it this way and build those relationships. And then I'm going to utilize them kind of as a focus group to see what changes need to be made, how we can make them 
the most effectively and then start working towards making those changes. Yeah. Right. So you've, you've mentioned previously, you know, when you're, when you had been coached to be a listener and to do a little more introspection. And now you're talking about this part of your career where you're, you know, taking time to learn from people. And I 100% agree with that. I've practiced that my entire career as well, where you're asking employees, tell me about your work. Tell me how you do this. Show me how you do this. You know, teach me about, about your craft. And it is really powerful, but um, maybe talk more about what that's, what that's done for you professionally and, and for people who are listening who are like, I don't even know how I'd start doing that with someone. Can, can you talk about that process? No, absolutely. It, it's, um, I, I always try to remember that, that God has given us two ears and one mouth. Um, so if you listen <laughs> twice as much as you speak, right. You'll, you'll, you'll learn something. Um, and so you have to get out there. You have to get out to where the work is being performed. You have to sit with them for a little bit. You have to listen to problems that may not even be related to work. Um, it may just be a personal issue that they just need to get off their chest, but you have to be willing to listen to that and, uh, and show a little bit of empathy with what they're dealing with. Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of the work that we take a look at as, as safety professionals, it, it's not easy work and we're, we're hindering them by putting additional PPE on them. And there's, there's so many other things that, that if we found just maybe a more comfortable piece of PPE uh, that would make their life easy. And maybe they'll just, maybe if you just listen, they can tell you, you know what, these gloves, I can't even feel anything. I can't get any grip with these gloves, mm-hmm. feel the parts, you know, and, and you're like, wow, you know, let's, let's take a look at some other gloves. Let's take a look at some other, you know, options, some other avenues and when you build that relationship, when you take that time to listen to what what they're struggling with, they're going to be more apt to come to you later with a safety issue that they may be facing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, right. And I think I think those are really good um, tips for people who are just starting out in the job or are um, really young, and you're trying to build your credibility. Um, to be that listener first and ask those questions and show me and teach me how you do this um, can really be empowering for for your work too. Yeah, and I, you know, I've, I've, there's kind of been three mottos ever since I've had this mind shift that I try to follow. That anybody who reports to me directly, I, I want this to be a part of their DNA, and uh, so I usually try to try to push these mottos on them as well. And one of them is is you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So, you know, a kind word is going to get more done than a, than a harsh word. So I always try to remember, catch more flies with honey than vinegar. The, sec- the second one is coach, don't cop. So that was kind of formed, formed in my safety coaching timeframe of, of remember why you're there. Yeah. Remember, you know, the reasoning that you're trying to help them out. And the, and the third one, I'll, I'll admit, I stole directly from Roadhouse, which is I'm nice until nice don't work. Yeah. Okay. Repeat that one more time. (laughs) I'm nice until nice don't work. Uh (laughs) It's it's from the, uh, the movie roadhouse. Yeah. I remember it, (laughs) but it's, it's a good reminder that, you know, there are, there are most, I would say probably 95% of the people you deal with. If you can build relationships and show some kindness with them, you'll get, you'll get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. Right. Kindness. Um, then there's that 5%. And yeah. <laughs> so eventually you have to say nice isn't working. 
So mm-hmm. now we move it a little bit more into enforcing it more, more into disciplinary, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, not from, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that safety should not be the issuers of disciplinary, but I do believe that we can recommend disciplinary actions to operations who can make that happen. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with that too. And we, and, and we are going to have that 5%. And, oh, and yeah. so, yeah. And so the question is, you know, what do we, what do we do with that? And I think you've just, I think you've just given, um, some, some solid advice there. I've, um, I've been coached by a mentor many years ago when talking about that 5% as well is, is really acknowledging that a, you're going to have it. And then B, even if they're going to go kicking and screaming the entire time, you know, your job is to is to get them to feel like, well, I'm still going to hate it, but I'm going to do it because otherwise I'm, I'm going to be sitting out here all by myself. So I'm just going to come along with everybody anyway. I'm still not going to like it. I'm going to grouch about it, but we're going to shift <laughs> and, them over there. And they're definitely going to grouch about it. That, that's, that's true. And, and, you know, but I've, I've found that, that, that 5%, um, if you can get them on board, if you can find what they're, um, their why maybe <laughs> well, yeah their why what their currency is <laughs> yeah oh yes their currency if okay find, if you can find what their currency is what matters to them hmm. be, it, may, it may be their kids softball game yeah there's there are some if you take that time to listen to them even if they they're they're your five percenter yeah man go to a kid's softball game i promise you you have that person on board and you know what the softball game may be fun that is excellent. I love how you framed that. What is their currency? Hmm. Thank you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> so now we're quoting Roadhouse and Dr. <laughs> Phil. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plethora of useless quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. It's um, in the in the world of strengths finder. Um, gosh, there's an actual strength that's built around that. Like people that collect quotes and sayings and things it's that you kind of. De- is it collector? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely guilty of that. We'll see That's if we awesome. can't. We'll see if, and and I was also raised by a woman who speaks the language of cliche, and oh, so nice. um, <laughs> so that nice. helps. I have a lot of cliches up my sleeve. Um, so, so Jason, continue with your career path. Uh, what what happened next? So I, I stayed in the crane industry for a, a little under a decade. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, there was some changes and some and some leadership and some oversight that was a little different than than I was prepared to be a part of. So I, I started on a job search. I found the company that I work for now, and they man, safety is so important to what they do, and and they take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. So just like a breath of fresh air to get over here and be like, wow, I'm just I'm so. I'm just flabbergasted that you guys take it this seriously. You know, supervision is is on board. Management is on board. Everybody just wants to find the safest way to do it. And you know, it's not a safety company. So being able to see that in, in what you do is just, that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So, Jason, what's your favorite thing about the work? Changing lives. I mm. I absolutely love when somebody comes up to me, um, maybe after a safety meeting, after a safety training, or uh, maybe just after a conversation that we had while we were walking around in the shop area or the field. And they're just like, you know, Jason, what you said really made sense. 
and I'm going to insert what they're going to change here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to have that type of feedback, it, it means something. You know, I, I, I tell my people all the time, uh, take it home with you. You know what you what you've learned here. Take it home with you. And so one of my some of my favorite stories that I get from the guys and gals is that, oh, man, I you know, I, my son was mowing the lawn and I put safety glasses on him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that that matters. That matters to me because it's something something is changing, not just at work, but something's changing in their life. They're getting it. Yeah, right. So it- you know, when you are, for anyone who follows you on social media, specifically with the social media safety minute and listen for any amount of time, much of what you're talking about has to do with kind of that big uh, topic of culture. Yes. And yes. yeah. And, and, and safety cultures, or, you know, for that matter, just a healthy workplace culture. It doesn't necessarily have to be safety, like you were talking about um, before, about just you know being a listener and keeping keeping or uh, treating people rather um, with respect. Um, but if we if we back up in our in our field just a little bit, there is a cliche that um, that safety is a necessary evil, and that some employers and employees consider it that necessary evil. What what do you think that does for us as a profession and how do you see your work now in being able to impact that um, cliche, if you will? Well, you know, I, I, safety is necessary, but it's not ne- a necessary evil. When you start, uh, when you start framing the, the conversation in safety is a necessary evil, then we become the villains. Yeah. And when safety becomes the villains, then there's a trust issue from every person in the field. Well, when there's a trust issue from every person in the field, guess who's not reporting issues? The people in the field, because they're like, why would I report that to the villain? I'm the hero of this story. (laughs) (laughs) If you if you have uh, if you have a mindset that safety is evil, then uh, or even a necessary evil, then the company is not taking advantage of an, an amazing resource. We, we, as safety professionals, we have some resources that may not be available or, or known about by anybody in operations. And, you know, I've always prided myself on the fact that I may not know the answer, but I know where to find it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's kind of something every safety person needs to needs to have in their mindset. I may not know the answer right away, but I can find it. I'm going to let you know Mm -hmm. and follow up and make sure that they do. Uh, But being cast as the villain is, it's just going to have a negative impact on the company culture as a whole, Mm -hmm. definitely on the safety culture. Mm -hmm. And so if that, if that, um, that evil moniker is starting at the top of the organization, maybe because they just, you know, a management system or team, doesn't know like they don't understand the work or maybe they've had um you know an experience in the past that maybe was simply with a safety cup (laughs) you know yeah Uh, what advice would you would you give someone who's listening now who maybe has that and they're at the top of their organization how can they help shift that to start making that change i think the first thing that they have to do is they have to 
Uh, one, I, I think you're correct that a lot of the time, the reason that upper management or management as a whole feel that way is because of some safety professional that was a safety cop in the past or just was out, you know, loved to have gotcha moments and things like that. And so the first thing you have to do is one, prove that you're not the same, that you're not that person. And that's done by action. That's done by just time, you know, that's done by uh, being trustworthy. It's done by showing integrity. It's done by uh, caring about the people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if, if it comes to a head, then you you simply have may have to say it verbally. Mm-hmm. You're holding me accountable for something that somebody else did, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. You give me the ability to prove who I am, and then then we can worry about uh, my performance. But mm-hmm. right now I'm not that person. Now that's not always the easiest conversation to have, right? Especially if you're just starting off in safety, that you're you're probably scared to death to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I was told early in my career, you need some more gray hair on your head before you can be in charge of safety. <laughs> and, and at the time I was like, what is this guy, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh. I, I, I run the safety in this company and I know everything I need to know about safety and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he was so right. Um, <laughs> because he wasn't talking about, it was perception. It wasn't necessarily just experience. It wasn't necessarily just knowledge. It was the perception of the people that I was speaking to. Right. As a young safety professional, um, I may have had all the, the programs in the world that would fix any issue. Problem was, was there wasn't trust there because I didn't take the time to build it. I just came in as a young uh, gunslinger trying to make yep. it happen. Yeah. And right. so Patience uh, pro- is probably the best advice I could give is patience, be trustworthy, have integrity. And 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 by saying have it, have integrity is be the same across the board. Don't don't if you're going to enforce something with one person, enforce it with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to you know give an attaboy to one person for something, give it to every person you see that does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, be the same. Be consistent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And for those hard conversations with management structures, especially when you're new and you're like, oh, this is sort of scary to have. Like, am I going to put my job on the line if I'm bold and say, hey, <laughs> you know, listen, um, one way to frame it, um, I guess that worked for me, a job that I, uh, I don't know, two jobs ago, um, I had been hired as a safety professional. I may have told this story in the podcast before. I can't remember um, the, the ownership, the leadership rather knew me as that person who was a former regulator that was the OSHA lady and they were really Uh. nervous. Yeah. They were really nervous (laughs) about hiring me and they also had never had a safety professional before. And so, um, they were asking me a lot of questions like, (laughs) should we do this or not? What's going to happen here? Are we hiring the safety cop? And, um, you know, the conversation that I had with them, um, gently was that I would work very closely with them and hard with them to understand their shades of business gray. And that I would promise them that I would not see things in neither black nor white, but we'd work together to come to an understanding as to what was reasonable to do for their business and understanding it. And then I said, 
However, there will likely be times where there will be a line in the sand and you will not push me over that. Wow. That, because that I won't, actually... I won't, I won't let this happen on my watch. And I said, when that occurs, I will tell you line here. And, um, they said, okay, we, yeah, okay. We think we can deal with that. And there were actually a couple of times where I had, I had to say, do you remember that conversation? The line is here. I will not cross this. Nice. See, and that, that's, that's setting expectations from the beginning. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when that's another very important part, um, if you, if you're coming into a company new, to, to go to management and say, okay, look, I want to meet or exceed your expectations. Mm-hmm. You can tell me what those expectations are. I'll meet them or exceed them. Yeah. If you don't give me expectations, I'm going to do the best that I can to meet an unspoken expectation. And there's liable to be some frustrations here. And what you shared with them was you lined out that expectation. Mm-hmm. There's going to come a time where there's going to be a line in the sand. And we're not going to cross that line. And then later on, when you didn't have to, or when you had to, you know, remind them of that conversation, I'm sure it was a lot easier for them to go, you know what? She's right. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was the like, oh, we're at DEF CON 4 now. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, <laughs> this, this must be something we have to pay attention to. <laughs> Why didn't we think of this before? <laughs> right. All right. Well, you've given a, that was a really good piece of advice about um, setting expectations. And so I guess for people who are listening, maybe starting in a new job, um, if that hasn't been set, really have that heart to heart conversation with whomever it is that you're reporting to and ask, yeah, ask absolutely. that. And I really love what you said about telling people you're an amazing resource. That's true. That's true of all safety professionals. We can be amazing resources and we have this collective network among us where if we don't know it, uh, somebody in our network will. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's a guarantee. I I can't tell you how many times I've reached out. Maybe it was through ASSP or it was through uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably where I'll, I'll, I have zero problem at all direct messaging another safety professional and go, hey, uh, have you dealt with this before? Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. did you handle it? Or what, what study guide did you use for that? So, there, yeah. you know, resource, you start that by interacting and building those relationships, even on, on social media. But I, I can tell you, there's never been a safety person that I've reached out to, whether I have a relationship with them or not, that wasn't willing to jump right in and help out any way they can. That's one thing that I absolutely love about uh, the safety community is there's there's just such a desire to make sure that people go home safely. Mm-hmm. Don't want to hold stuff close to their vest. If they it, like, if I have any ways of doing something safe, I'm, I want to share it. I want to shout it from the rooftops. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That is the, um, that is the fun part of our profession for sure. Yeah. So, you know, people who are listening, you need help, you need resources, reach out to anybody, any one of us. If you, you know, I I always find it sort of interesting that, um, LinkedIn seems to be the place that we all gravitate to, but it is. (laughs) is. And, (laughs) and there are many, many groups of safety professionals out there. And, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had a safety professional turn me down when I've asked a question or ask for help. Um, I've, I've had one say, I don't really know, but reach out to so-and-so. I think they've dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. So Jason, I, I would love to hear more about um, your progression, you know, and what you're talking about now and being a safety mentor. How is, how are you living? How are you living that out? And what do you see for this chapter of your career now? Well, you know, I, one of the things that I was excited about is I got asked to be a mentor on the Safety Refined uh, website. So that, that website is really based upon just finding mentors for people. There's no cost involved at all. It's just like, hey, here's a bunch of safety people and they want to mentor and they want to help. So what just, is, yeah, it, talk more about what that is. Uh, Michael King is a guy that I met on LinkedIn. And uh, he started this website because he has a heart for mentoring. And so he reached out to some different safety people that, that have a heart for mentoring as well. And so he created this website called safetyrefined.com. And on there, you'll find bios of every mentor that's a part of the site. And if you're a new safety person and you just want to kind of get some mentoring, you can reach right out and and pick up pick one of the people from the bio bio we'll get an email and and we can jump right in and, and help mentor in any way that we can it's all volunteer it's all you know we're just we're all volunteering to help help this the profession as a whole no kidding yeah. i had no idea this is excellent yeah it, it was a great idea and i mean i jumped in with both feet as soon as he as soon as he asked me about it before he even created the website or created the idea i was like yeah man i'm on board whatever you whatever you need and there's there's some some great great mentors on there that, that can really help out. I think he pretty much has covered most bases of all, all industries. And so that's, that's the primary way that I'm trying to assist with mentoring from, from that aspect. Mm -hmm. The aspect is, is just general day-to-day uh, communications on LinkedIn. I, any, you know, anytime I can interact and jump in and, and then uh, I'm uh, on the community page for ASSP as, a, as one of the influencers. So I'm able to get on there and, and, and answer questions, technical questions and assist in community chatter and stuff like that. So I'm mentoring through that as well. And then uh, that's, that's the main, main ways that I'm mentoring as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And so what does the mentoring, you're talking about external mentoring with uh, fellow safety professionals and man, thank you for that. It's so important. Oh Yeah. What does mentoring look like um, where you're working now? How does, you know, who, how does that work for you? Who are you talking with? You know, I, every, every, I visit every one of my branches twice a quarter. Okay. I, I go for a, what I call a relationship visit. Okay. For an audit visit. Um, relationship visit is really um, sit down with, with different individuals, talk with different individuals. And, and I usually ask uh, a, a particular set of questions. I think they're getting used to them now, which, <laughs> but, but I, it's, it's, how are you? And then mm -hmm. how is your family? Mm -hmm. How's work? And what can I do to help you? Hmm. Yeah. And so out of, you, you, you go to these different sites, are you talking, I don't know how many employees are in your organization, but do you take a sample and every time you talk to different people or how does that work? Well, we're the, the, the areas that I cover, um, they're small enough that I can, I can talk to everybody in a visit. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's spread out. The 10, the 10 branches are spread out, but, but there's none that are, that are so large that I can't have the opportunity to speak to everybody. Yeah. So you call those relationship visits? Yes. <laughs> that is excellent. And then did you say you also do audit visits? Yes. 
So talk about how those are different and what that looks like. Um, A relationship visit is really focused on maybe uh, maybe there's been a new program that's come out or maybe there's a new benefit that they may not know about yet or or hasn't been uh, expressed well enough. I'll cover those in a relationship visit Um, and then just really seeing how they are. Let them talk to me a little bit about what they can see. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's something that's just low hanging. I'll address it. It's not like I'm going to just walk past something because it's a relationship visit. Right, right. If I see something, I'll I'll offer up some opportunity for improvement there. Yeah. But but that's not the intention of the visit. The intention of the visit is to get the pulse of the team. Yep. um, Get an idea of how they're doing, what what we can do as a company and as a corporation to help them do it better. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, see, see where they're at. Then mm-hmm. the other visit, of course, is the one that all safety professionals know, which is the audit visit, where we get the chance to look at the facility, the programs, and everything else, and mm-hmm. dig a little deeper. Yeah. And so when you're doing one of those audit visits, Jason, um, just just listening to the way that you operate, I bet you don't do that all by yourself. No, 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 no. We, we, we have a program called Designated Safety Champion. Okay. And so each branch picks a person uh, for a six month period to be the designated safety champion. And they're going to, they have some requirements like uh, they have to submit at least uh, one BBSO a day. Um, They have to participate in the, the quarterly audit with the, with the safety manager. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they have to call, call me once a week and just Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, update and see how they're doing. Huh, then, interesting. You know, That's we, an interesting piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an awesome, it's an awesome little program, but I usually grab them uh-huh. and, uh, and, and the, whoever's over the branch and we walk it together. Yeah. I take a ton of pictures. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and then we sit down and, you know, I, I go through the, the audit form with the pictures and with them. And then we sit down and we discuss, what, what needs to be improved? What are their, their uh, assigned tasks for mm-hmm. the next visit? And we make sure that everybody has an understanding of that. And then that report goes out to management. Hmm. That's beautiful. So two types of visits, relationship visit and audit visit. I love that. What a great, what a great practice. Yeah. And that, that was, a, it was really awesome when I, when I shared, um, when I was asked by my boss, you know, what are you currently doing? How are you doing things? How are you visiting the branches? And I shared that that's my, that's how I plan out my visits. He, he was like, you know, do keep doing that. That's exactly what we want done. That's exactly we, you know, I, what I don't want is I don't want every time you're there, you're there for an audit because then th- there's, there's no trust built. Right. So they, they support it from the front. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and some people might think that sounds like uh, light, fluffy, fluffy, mushy, gushy stuff. Those relationship visits, but if if anyone is banging on the door of we need a culture, we need a culture, that's where it starts. Yeah, absolutely, and and they can keep on safety copping if they want, and then eventually down the road, they'll a supervisor will hopefully take them aside and tell them. <laughs> There's a better way to do this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Genius. Genius. I love it. I love it. What's getting you? Oh, you know what? I wanted to back up and ask you as you're talking about these these relationship visits. You had said something that was that was pretty funny on social media (laughs) recently. (laughs) You want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh huh. So do you, do you want to? I believe you called it what a seagull. A moment? corporate seagull. A corporate seagull. Okay, so how? Yeah, talk about what's a corporate seagull in your mind. <laughs> a corporate seagull is is somebody from corporate who flies into a branch and craps all over everything and then flies back to corporate. Um, <laughs> The, the idea is that they're not there. There's no relationship there. They, they, you, you really feel like you've just been crapped on when they, when they visited your facility. So mm-hmm. the, the idea is not just for safety professionals, but management in general, we need to have build those relationships because if you, if you only fly in and only look for problems and only point out the problems and don't point out any positives, uh, yeah, that's how they're, they they feel like a seagull just flew over them, and, yeah. and so we want to avoid that. And the best way to avoid that is is through the through, through relationship building. Yeah, right. Well, and you know, as as someone who is representing um, management, and sometimes safety professionals sort of forget that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I know I know that I have at least um, in in my jobs where I've sort of forgotten that people view that role as a piece of management. And so if employees don't have context as to why you're even there, people start making up stories in their head. You know, like, why yeah. is this person here? I mean, you might you might hit the ground and have, have you know, five meetings back to back where things are, you're, you're doing your work, you're doing your job, and everybody's wondering like, why are they here this week? Why are they here? To, why are they here today? Wonder what's going on. Does this have something to do to, with me? Is it about our organization? You know, and people make up the stories in their head. And so I think it's important, you know, to tying into your <laughs> don't be a corporate seagull and dump all over the place. But you really need to tell people like, why am I nesting here this week? You know, why yeah. am I here? To, why am I here today? And um, I, I think you made, something you just said reminded me of something you said. You know the story they tell themselves in their head. Yeah. And I think that it's that's that's a great phrase for the standpoint of what we need to be doing for for relationship building. Is we need to be very cautious about the story we're telling in our own head about why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, if somebody's doing something unsafe and we immediately say that's because they don't care about safety or they they don't they don't value safety, they don't value their own life, that, then we're going to communicate with them with that mindset. And so we, we have to tell tell a different story in our head. And the story, I mean, a great example, if you're driving down the road, I mean, we all will occasionally get, get road rage, right? And if you're driving down the road and that guy cuts you off. Now, the story that we're going to tell in our head that's going to create road rage is going to be, that dude thinks he's more important than me. I can't believe he did that. Who does he think he is? Blah, blah, blah. And you're now you're angry. Yep. If you're driving down the road and that guy cuts you off and you go, man, I hope his wife's not in the hospital about to have a baby. He must be in a real big hurry to get there. All of a sudden, you're rooting for the guy. And, and so it just changes. It's the story that you tell yourself will change how you emotionally view it. And so we have to do the same thing when we're, when we're dealing with our workers in the field. And, you know, remember, the story that we tell ourselves can become truth real quick, whether it's truth or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that phrase, the story, I'm the story that's in my head right now is actually something I learned from the social scientist, um, Brene Brown. 
for anyone nice. who's a for anyone who's a follower of of Brene Brown is something that she coaches and talks about. Um, oh, I wish I could cite the title of her book that I read where I learned that. But it's it's you know in communication with someone when you're feeling uh, like you've got a story made up in your head, like that person must have reacted to me in that way because, or um, you know we're having some conflict here and it must be because um, to to actually use those words with whomever it is that you're talking with and saying, Hey, the story I'm making up in my head, like say that out loud, the story I'm making up in my head right now is that, um, that we're not working well together or that you believe this thing that I just did is really wrong or that you made this, you know, you did X, Y, and Z because is that true? Or is that just a story I'm making up in my head to really just put it right out there? Yeah, I, I love that idea. And I, you know, it actually, I was listening to you and Abby's uh, Accidental Safety Pro podcast a while back, Abby Ferry. Yeah. I think something that she and you both, both had said in the, the, um, in the podcast was asking workers, so tell me about what you're doing today. And I think that that can go hand in hand with that, what you had just mentioned about, tell me the, you know, let me explain the story that I'm having in my head. So you, you find out, you know, let them explain why they're doing what they're doing and how they're doing what they're doing. And and then maybe you could follow that up with, well, the reason I ask is because the story I'm telling myself is this, and I don't think that that's true. And I don't think that's your intention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So set me straight. What's going on? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Change the narrative in my mind. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, Jason. Good stuff. So, um, what's, what's next for you? What do you, what do you, what are you cooking on these days? How do you, or you know what, maybe how do you find your inspiration? Cause you're, you're putting out a lot of information right now and you're helping mentor people and coach people. Um, where do you find your inspiration? My kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my kids will do something and and it'll immediately the something they'll do will immediately correlate to safety some way okay so that's usually where like the the social media safety minute topic of that particular time may come from um i try not to i try not to create create content as much as just document yeah. Like what am I, what, what have I been dealing with? And, and so normally it comes across as, as creating content, but really it's like my 10 year old did this. So today I'm going to talk about safety glasses. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's where, that's where the, the inspiration comes from. It's just probably something silly they either said or did. Uh -huh. And, or I may just be driving to work and, something will just pop in my head. And, you know, I, I've taken, I've made a habit of putting lyrics at the front of the post. And so the, I've divided that a lot of the hardest part of creating content or, or, or documenting content right now is figuring out what song to pick. <laughs> that'll, <laughs> that'll match what it was because about four months ago, five months ago, I started doing that. It's become like every post now, there's some lyrics in the very beginning. And I'm like, oh man, okay. I, I don't know if I have a song that goes with that, but mm -hmm. I'll mm -hmm. find one. So. Well, songs can be very inspirational, right? Absolutely. We, we love those lyricists. <laughs> Absolutely. So what, what do your kids think about you being a safety dad? 
Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to create a video. I've been thinking about one that I just want to, I want to record my kids and then just ask them a question. What is safety? Cause I really want to know what they have to say. I've never asked them that question. Yeah. Um, so I, man, I'm going to have to do that soon. I'm going to just have to record them and just ask what is safety to you and yeah. try to get an idea of what they, you know, they may just be, you know, their answer may be, that's just what you do for a living dad. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm interested to see what, what their thoughts would be on that. They, I think that they, um, they enjoy, uh, you know, being in operations, you're away from the house a lot more. I'm uh, from my, where I'm at in my career now, I'm able to be home a lot more. Yeah. And, uh, so I think they really love that part. They just add being home a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, my son had a phrase that he used when he was little to describe what I, what my job was. And honestly, I can't remember what it was, what it is anymore, but it was something that was funny about safety. Um, you know, couldn't have been pretty, as cool as being a safety ninja, but I'm sure it was cool. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. And then, you know, and then as he got older, it became kind of an annoyance, you know, like, mom, really not again. You know, like you can make every story a story about death. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. There's a, you know, there's a, there are bad things that happen. And so, you know, when you're trying to um, get your children to understand risk, um, yeah. You know, I've been in safety their entire lives. So, I think they're just kind of used to like, yeah. okay, before I can climb this ladder, dad or somebody has to hold it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that kind of has become ingrained in us through working in this industry that is just ingrained in them from birth. So I don't think that they look at it as that's uh, the safe way to do it. I think they just look at it as that's the way we do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think my um, uh, an affirming moment for me as a parent and a safety person was my my son called me one night um, from a football game. Actually, he had left a football game, and and he said, "Mom, I've got to ask you for some help, and you're the only person I can think of who might know what to do." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, red lights and sirens." It's like, yes, you know, I'm alert, I'm attentive. I'm like, holy crap what could this be you know a teenager when they roll that out of their mouth it's like and and he said um uh there's there's a a rumor going around at the football game that someone has a gun oh wow yeah and he said um i i didn't know who to talk with what do i do yeah and you know and so we we walked through where did you you know, where did you hear this? Well, I've heard it from so-and-so. And then where did they hear it? They heard it from their brother. Okay, and where did that brother hear it from? Well, they hear they heard it from so-and-so who said they saw. Oh, and I'm wow. like, okay, so we have, you know, we don't have firsthand knowledge, no. And I said, you know, did that person who said they saw it, did they report it to their parents or the police? I'm not sure. And, you know, and so we went through this, we went through this whole conversation that really was just minutes long before I was on the phone with the local police department to ask them if they were aware of the situation, which they were. Nice. And yeah, and it, and it was um, a story that someone was making up in their head, uh, thankfully. Oh, wow. But, um, you know, in that, in that moment, I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is about trust and safety, right? This is about building a culture of trust um, so that in those, in those um, make or break moments, um, someone is going to reach out to you. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I, I didn't have anything nearly as exciting about that. My my twenty year old called me from from college and asked me, "Dad, what is workers' comp?" Uh, he, was writing, he was writing some copy for a for a publisher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, let's let's talk about what workers' comp is." But yeah, nearly as exciting. But hey, at least he knew who to call. He he sure did. He sure did. But you know what? It, the work that we do is is that we want people to reach out to us. Absolutely, we want people to reach out to us before something has happened or is happening, or that they're going to do a gut check with us, and that our employees need to know that it's okay if it's two in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. That that we're going to be there and we're going to answer the call. Yeah. Before before Uber and and um, uh, all of those rideshare places that you can just call yeah. when they come pick you up, I could recall like every safety meeting before new year's or, or Christmas or July 4th. My last thing that I would tell my people is if you end up somewhere and you've had too much to drink, call me, I yeah. will come pick you up wherever you're at and I'll take you home. Yeah. Now I tell them call an Uber, but, <laughs> but call me. And so I know that you made it home safe, Yeah. but I was always, you know, willing to, to offer that. And I think that's important. They need to know who to call. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, Jason, you have given so many great tips to our listeners today, including, you know, phrases since you and I like phrases about being an amazing resource. And, um, and I really loved this piece about the two different types of visits, relationship visits and audit visits. And um, thank you so much for sharing the resource of the safetyrefine.com for people who are looking for a mentor in our field. That's really powerful. Yeah, it's it is just such a neat, it's a neat opportunity. And, you know, the I know Michael's looking for even more mentors. So if you've got people that are listening that, that, that mentoring is their passion, yeah, you know, you reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll be more than happy to get y'all connected. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And, th and thank you for your time today. Really appreciate the time that you spent. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Jill. Mm -hmm. And thank you for spending your time listening today. And more importantly, thank you for your contribution, making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day. If you'd like to join the conversation about this episode or any of our previous episodes, Go ahead and follow our page and join the Accidental Safety Pro community group on Facebook. If you're not subscribed and want to hear past and future episodes, subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player that you'd like. You can also find all the episodes at vividlearningsystems.com slash podcast. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us connect the show with more and more safety professionals like you and I and Jason. And share any episodes you'd like with your friends. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's you, please contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Special thanks to Will Moss, our podcast producer. Until next time, thanks for listening.